The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience, talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good morning, everyone, and good evening, everyone in um, America. I'm your host, Tony Londis, and you're listening to Radio Tony. Now, this morning, we have a guest first up, and her name is Honor Newman. Now, Honor is a psychologist, a writer, speaker, and artist. She lives in Melbourne with her two beautiful children and a cat. Honor is passionate about empowering women and runs a monthly women's circle designed to help members beat feelings of isolation and to give and receive support to each other. She also has an online perfectionism buster program to help break these habits step by step. She uh, loves to cook and share meals with family and friends, and she's a self-proclaimed fashionista. She's an avid reader of both fiction and psychology and spiritual self-help books. And whilst we're waiting for Honor to come live on air, our subject today uh, with Honor is going to be perfectionism. And she's going to tell us what that looks like in your life, how it translates in your life, and also a bit about Honor herself and what led her to talk about her perfection, her uh, life's work in Killing the Perfectionist Within. So that's also the name of her book, and we'll be talking about her book a little bit later. So while we're waiting for Honor to get online, I'd really love to know who else is online. Um, so we've got Honor on the line now. So good morning, Honor. How are you? At least I think we have Honor online. We're working on getting her on the line right now, Tony. Okay, thanks, Rebel. So, whilst we're waiting for that to happen, I'd really like to know where our listeners are from today. Um, so, if you pop on to W4WN, and in the bottom right-hand corner is the chat box. And in the chat box, you can ask us questions, send us messages, and let us know where you're listening from. I'd love to know whereabouts you're from and what the weather's like in your uh, area 
in Australia at the moment, it is incredibly dry and we are facing the worst drought situations in many, many decades. In New South Wales, which is just over the border from where Radio Tony comes to, from to you live, uh, there are really nasty bushfires up and down the coast and they are causing havoc, loss of life, loss of homes and Similar to the LA bushfires, they are a massive concern. Fueling those fires is, of course, the dry, dead devastation from lack of rain. There's no rain uh, apparent in the forecast for the weather. Um, and it's very dire across most parts of New South Wales and into Queensland and in particular Western Queensland. We live in Talabudra Valley, which is on the border of New South Wales and Queensland, Australia, and we have bushfires in the surrounding hinterland about 20 kilometres from us. So we're in no danger. However, the smoke, smoke haze has been impacting on people in terms of breathing and asthma. And there's been a statewide alert uh, issued to encourage those of us that struggle with breathing and lung issues to stay at home and stay out of the smoke haze and um, pollution at the moment. So not really great going into summer because we haven't had the worst of our heat and dry and um, it's concerning for all of those across New South Wales and Queensland. So if you're listening in the USA, you're going into winter. So I'm expecting that a lot of you are experiencing some nice cold weather and uh, snow, no doubt, whereas in Australia we're heading into summer and the heat uh, and in Queensland, the humidity. So we're still struggling to get Honor on the line. Can you hear me yet, Honor? No, not yet. Okay, well, with that in mind, I might just pop on over and start us off talking about perfectionism. And perfectionism is a trait of people personality trait for people who are often high achievers. Um, perfectionism is something that I've struggled with a lot of my life and it's a difficult thing to overcome. And to overcome it, you actually have to look inside yourself and discover what it is that makes you think that the world is a place where you need to have things perfect or otherwise you can't function. Um, I'm also told that perfectionism is something that is manageable. And again, I'm just, we've just, oh, Reggie, 
Reggie, you've just had snow in North US. Okay, so is that a good thing? Do you guys like the arrival of snow in winter or is it something that you dread? Um, I know speaking to my brother this week who has lived in Canada for the last 27-odd years that he is kind of over snow a little bit. He says that the shoveling of snow is uh, really something that he doesn't look forward to and although it's beautiful and uh, spectacular in winter, it's also um, a difficult time for him in terms of the continual snow shoveling. Um, okay, so we're still trying to get Honor on the line. Honor, if you can hear us, just jump off the phone and allow Rebel to uh, call you back. Reggie, how much snow do you get at your place during winter? Is it metres and metres or, sorry, you're in feet, aren't you? Is it lots and lots of feet or is it just a light dusting? I'm curious to know the levels of snow that fall um, in winter across the US. In the background, you guys might note that I have my little snoring dog with us today. Her name's Tiki. She's seven years old and our feet. Okay. And. We have Hannah on the line. I'm so glad you're here. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm really good. We've had a few technical issues this morning, our listeners, and so we have Honor on the line now, and we're going to start out a little conversation asking Honor what led her um, to become a psychologist. Was it something that you thought of doing all of your life, or was it something that only you discovered towards adulthood? Um, no, all of my life, um, for as long as I can remember, from the earliest age I can remember, I've always been really fascinated by human behaviour and different cultures and travel. And I remember my parents took me to Fiji when I was eight and, I, wow. and it was the first time I'd been overseas and I remember going, wow, finally I get to go overseas. And I was eight, so I've always been fascinated by people and cultures. Well, that's fantastic to know. So you've been a psychologist for a long time now, yes. but I'm curious, what tipped you into your um, genre, I guess we could call it, of perfectionism? What what made you think that that would be a wonderful thing to talk about and be an expert in? Um, well, it was a bit of a journey. Like I didn't, I didn't really pull it out of thin air. It just yeah. um, happened through a series of steps. Yes. Um, I've always been interested in women's issues. So when yes. I graduated from the course, an opportunity, my master's degree, an opportunity came up to work in a um, in a clinic empowering women around birth. Yes. And um, so I was there to help with postnatal depression and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. And um, then I realised very common patterns, women were all struggling with the same thing, which was this perfectionistic personality type. Yeah. Um, and then I started working with women in general and I realised that they also were struggling. Um, yeah. So it kind of clicks in my mind that this is an epidemic. Yes. 
I and, agree. Uh, Mm. And so um, I started helping them and then I just wanted my reach to get bigger and bigger. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So all that work with women led you to the conclusion that there's a perfectionism epidemic across the world. So let's start and tell our listeners what perfectionism looks like and what traits are exhibited when you struggle with that personality trait? Um, well, you want everybody to think that you have it all together. Yes. Um, so you, you often, you look like you have it all together. You get you become almost a mistress of looking like everything's wonderful. Yes. Um, but the problem with that is that it's incredibly lonely. Um, yeah. Because you're too afraid to kind of tell anyone what's really, really going on. Um, yeah. So it's quite isolating. And um, underneath all that, there's a lot of anxiety about being judged, um, yes. a lot of pressure on the self to be a certain way. Um, I, I mean, there's you... a lot of different symptoms. Uh, there's yeah. quite a lot of them. I don't know if you want me to kind of go into all of well, them. Well, <laughs> I was just going to ask, do you think that the current um, buy-in for social media, do you think that that has had an influence on the way that women think about themselves? Yeah, I think it's ma- it's definitely made it even worse. Yes. Uh, because... Um, you know, if all women, like so many women are struggling with perfectionism and they're going to be putting like their best face forward on social media, then it's perpetuating yes. it because everybody goes, look at them having a great life. But, you know, deep down, I don't feel like I am. Why do they get it? But it's everybody doing the same thing, everybody pretending <laughs> that their life's so wonderful. Exactly. Um, so I'm just going to revert to some of our questions quickly. And while we're waiting to get you on the line, I just asked our um, listeners where they were from and what the weather was like because I know um, – the US and Canada are starting to see their first snowfalls, whereas in Australia we're just heading into the heat of summer. And so I've got uh, comments from Kate and Jane and and Dixon about the amount of snow that's been falling in the States. And then Willow wants to know, is it only women who look uh, to be perfect or do men suffer from it too? That's a great question, Willow. What do you think, Honor? I think men suffer from it too. Yes. Um, I choose to specialise in women because that's yes. just generally my passion. I love to work from a feminist framework yeah. and um, I love to see women, like, blossoming into their power. But, yeah, I the men that – a lot of men that I have seen have also struggled with it. Right. Okay. And so perfectionists, just deal, are delving some more into some of the traits so that the listeners can get a clear idea of what – perfectionism is in your life. I know from my own perspective that I have found it hard to let go of having things perfect. So before, for instance, uh, you know how we struggled with getting the technology and, and getting you live on air? 
previously in my life, that would have been enough to ruin me for the whole show because Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to get you on live at the designated time um, and we've had a few little hassles in getting you on the show. So for me, as a reform perfectionist, that would have had Mm -hmm. me off for the whole show. So Mm -hmm. what other traits do you see in men and women exhibited in perfectionism? Um, the, well, there's procrastination. It's an yes. absolutely huge one. Um, so, you know, putting off that thing that you really want to do deep in your heart that's going to be yes. good for you and help you change is put at the bottom of the pile. And yes. there's often a lot of busy work, especially around doing things for other people. Um, yes. You know, there's also a bit of a fear of saying no to other people because, you know, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll reject me. Maybe they won't want to be my friend anymore. Um, There can also be like compulsive achieving. Yes. So, you know, I've got to prove myself by achieving this and this and this. But then when I get, when I have that achievement, I'm not going to celebrate that because I'm, you know, not really, it's, I'm not really worth it. I just got to keep going. So that's kind of based in this core belief. I'm not good enough, which. And that's um, where it comes from, isn't it? Yeah. That's so it's an overcompensation, and then what happens as a result of that is burnout because we're working, yes. working, working yep. impulsively, and yep. we don't rest. Yeah, yeah. And as Greg says, um, he wants to know is there a thing as being perfect? Well, you and I both know no one is perfect, even the person who appears to have the most perfect life, they're not perfect either, are they? Well, I think we've got to um, redefine our idea of perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, this this is cultural uh, cultural ideal of what perfect is for a yes. woman. I'm just yeah. speak about women. This, and um, you know, they, there's a lot of pressure to fulfil that. Mm-hmm. There is. Um, Jenny wants to know how did you overcome this issue. So I'm going to let you go for that first on it. Tell us about your struggles with perfectionism and, and what you did to get a, to get through it. Um, well, it all kind of came to a head at the age of about 30 when I was, you know, going through yeah. burnout. Um, yeah. I, I felt like I was getting on the verge of chronic fatigue. Yeah. Um, so I knew, I knew that I had to do something So I was kind of struggling for energy to get through the day. Yeah. And I couldn't find any help from traditional medicine. Um, yeah. So I kind of had to, you know, go on a bit of a journey of self-discovery and figure out, you know, why why was I so tired? Yes. And I uncovered all these perfectionistic habits, for example, uh-huh. the overworking and yeah. the not being able to say no to people um, yeah. and, the you know, the feeling of not being good enough. Like I uncovered all these habits that I was doing. Yes. And when I started to change those, then my energy came back. Uh-huh. Were there particular things that helped you uh, change those? Because I know for myself, I had to start being very firm with the stories in my head. So that particularly around if I don't get it perfect, uh, people are going to reject me or not like me. That was mm. the key one for me to say, yep. no, I'm okay, 
this doesn't have to be perfect. I'm doing what I'm led to do and it will be okay. Yeah. So those words or words to those effect, I had to start being firm in my mind and every time something come up that said you're not worthy, I had to counteract it with mm. words along the lines, yes, you are worthy, yes, this is okay, it doesn't have to be perfect. Did those sort of things work for you, Honor? And are those th- things that work for your uh, women as well? Yes, definitely. So um, one of the modules in my course is about mindset and self-talk. Yes. So changing around the self-talk that you have um, that's perpetuating the, you know, the anxiety and the yes. uh, low energy. So you did exactly the right thing and it's just about practising that um, as often as you can and yeah. because you were able to do that because you were aware of what yes. you were thinking. So that's the first step, being aware of what you're thinking. and Definitely. Then putting the reframes in, like, yeah. you know, talk, almost talking yourself through it. Yeah, I, I, again, like that self-talk is such a huge component, isn't it? And it's not an easy thing to do because, as you said, you can't do anything about it until you're actually aware of what you're doing. And that takes some time and a little bit of self-reflection to get to that point, oh, I'm saying that about myself? Oh, that's probably not great, is it? Mm. But what I found is most women know that they're perfectionistic. Yes. So because when I started talking about it, they're like, oh, yeah, I, that's me. Yes. Um, so, you know, not in complete denial. Everyone has, most people have quite a bit of awareness. <laughs> yes. That's that's good. I, I, I think that the more that we talk about these sorts of things, um, people are starting to get more and more aware and recognising, okay, well, I can do something about that and I can help myself to get through that and and be the best person I can be, essentially. So, Anna, I wanted to talk more about your specific eight-week online program that's available for anyone to do across the world, yeah? Yeah. Yep. So you want to tell our listeners about that. Um, it's a wonderful program, Lisa, so I really want Honor to talk about this program and how you can get in touch with her and join her eight-week program because it's fantastic. So over to you, Honor. Um, yeah, so basically there's nothing like this on the market at the moment and I created the program that I wanted to have when I yes. was struggling with it and there was yes. nothing. So now you guys have got this um, and it's all grounded in like the research that I've done over seven years of talking with women and also um, academic research. Like this, you know, this stuff's been researched a long time ago but nobody's made it accessible to the average Correct. Woman, or I should say average woman. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Every woman. Um, so each week we just go through a different habit. So it's just some really short videos of me explaining what this is. For example, this is what procrastination is. This is what causes yes. it. And then here's like one or two action steps that you can build into your life to help you overcome this. And then yes. we do one week and then the last week is how do we put it all together and maintain the changes? Yeah, um, and I also have like a group, group women's women's group every week, yes. so that um, yes. the isolation yes. 
it's to beat the isolation that you can feel when you're trying to look perfect to everybody. So we have a whole yeah. group of perfectionists in there saying, hey, this is what's really going on. Yeah, yeah. And it also so would give yeah. yeah, it would give support to all of those um, people trying to make those changes in their life too, being in that group. Yeah. So, listeners, I've actually put up all of Honor's details on the in the chat box and the link to her eight week program. Um, it's a fabulous program, and I'm actually thinking that I might do it myself um, <laughs> because I consider myself a reformed. Prof- reformed perfectionist and I could probably do with a reboot of um, breaking through some of those habits. So Jenna wants to know how do we recognize we have this and how do we stop it? Oh big question. It is Um, a good question Jenna. (laughs) I haven't come across this before. Um, I guess you know are you tired? Do you feel are you are really tired a lot of the time? Do you feel like you have a lot of anxiety? Do you feel guilty a lot of the time? Like do you find it hard to say no to people? Do you feel a lot of guilt around that? Um, do you feel unhappy like you're not getting what you want to get out of life, like dissatisfied? Yeah. Is yeah. your dream at the bottom of the pile? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of different little things that stem from that low self-esteem and feeling unworthy, would you say, Anna? Um, So that's kind of the core of it. Um, yes. And there's a lot of causes. There's a lot of causes yes. which I kind of go into about why this happens and yeah. then all the kind of symptoms to sort of branch out from that. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic program for anyone who's interested in getting to the crux of why you might be tired, unhappy, not reaching or being the person you want to be, not being your best self. Um, You've also written a book called Killing the Perfectionist Within. Um, Do you want to tell our listeners quickly about your book? Um, So this, I wrote this first after listening to all these women talk about the same things. I thought, okay, I'm going to write this into a handbook. Um, So the first part of the book is all about the causes, um, you know, why does this happen? So that could be really interesting to read as well as doing the course. Doing the course. Um, I was just going to say that sounds like a really good pre something to do before you get jump on the course with you. Yeah. Yeah. Have a, have a bit of a feel for whether you like it and, yeah. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. I also want to touch on the fact that you've been doing women's empowerment for a while and I know that you've been to Nepal and I just thought to end off our interview today, would you like to tell our listeners about what happened in Nepal, what you did and the outcome for you? Um, yeah, so as I love women's empowerment, I thought I'd yeah. like to go to, you know, to a more disadvantaged country and do that. Yes. Um, but one thing I didn't know about Nepalese culture is that yeah. they're absolutely obsessed with learning English. So oh. um, the Women's Empowerment Project was teaching English uh-huh. because there's a whole lot of women like around um, my our age, like 20 mm-hmm. to 20 up yes. that haven't had a proper education. Yeah. So 
um, it's kind of like a project to give them some education. Fantastic. Um, but it was really fun. Like we yes. taught them we taught them the cure, um, that song Friday yes. on my mind. Yeah. We got them dancing and singing and they, they loved us. Fantastic. So how long were you in Nepal on that project? A month. A month? And so I'm guessing that you got more out of it than you originally thought that you were going to get out of it? I just I was attracted to that that holiday and it was you yes. know it was fun um they really looked after us while we were in a volunteer house and they took us sightseeing and you know oh, made wow. sure it's a beautiful culture they're just really lovely peaceful caring people they're all buddhists so. yes, yes that buddhist um where the buddhist uh culture is predominant in a country you will find that beautiful, peaceful, generally happy people. Would mm. you agree? It's Def- just something about definitely. Buddhism that engenders peaceful, quiet, happy living and gratefulness and graciousness as well. Well, I mean, I've always loved Buddhism, like, yeah. um, and it was really, that was probably the best part of the experience for me, just seeing um, how the how it plays out, like if everybody practices it, what kind of culture yeah. you have, and it's really beautiful. Yeah, fantastic. So we have two minutes left, and yep. I just want to quickly run over again that you have this amazing eight-week course that people can join from yep. anywhere in the world, and I've put the link up in the chat box so that you can get onto that Perfectionism Buster program. I've also put up uh, on his email and her website so you can go and check out what she does and how she does it and see about her book. Um, It's been wonderful having you on the show this morning, Anna, and I appreciate the fact that you were hanging in there when we had our technical issues. Um, (laughs) It's a fabulous subject um, and half an hour doesn't really give it the time that it's due but I am so grateful that you took the time out of your busy schedule this morning to talk to me live on air and I'm sure that our listeners will now go and jump onto your site and find out a bit more. So I'll let you go. Um, We're going to go to a short break listeners but thank you so much for coming on Radio Tony today Honor, and I look forward to having another look at your uh, Perfectionism Buster eight-week online course. And that website is www.onanewman.com. Slash Perfectionism Buster, sorry. Ah, there you go, slash Perfectionism Buster. So fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Over to you, Rebel, for a short break. Thanks, Anna. See ya. Keeping the conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues, this is Radio Tony on W4WN. Join Tony Londis, author of Resilience, Memoir of a Broken Little Girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty on the Women for Women Network. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. 
Radio Tony is your safe space for these tough conversations. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Radio Tony on W4WN. Your safe space for tough conversations. And welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Tony on Radio Tony. And so before we have our next guest come on, I've got a few things to tell you about. A wonderful friend of mine, Moana Robinson, has just written a new book. And Moana has a mission, and that is to empower others to glow from the inside out. As a coach for life and style, she uses her skills to take others on a journey to discover their perfect colour palette, style, wardrobe, and it doesn't stop there. Being the best you can be includes what's going on inside your mind and your heart as well. She combines her experience as a personal stylist, life coach and mentor and helps people shine. She helps them find that magic combination of colour, body shape, lifestyle and personality and the magic is in unleashing the untapped confidence we keep hidden for fear of standing out. With a huge amount of life experience, Moana has a passion for helping others using many skills and modalities. She coaches, mentors, supports and encourage others, encourages others to find their true passions and purpose in life. There is so much more than the outside image of a person. It's the person as a whole who can benefit from the guidance in life and style to shine and be the absolute best person possible. So Moana's new book is called Living with Sass and Style Over 50. And it's a perfect gift for yourself or anyone who is approaching their fabulous 50s. I'm sure we all know someone who is in their 50s or approaching their 50s. So if you're a woman over the age of 15 and feeling a bit lost, or you've fallen out of love with your body and wardrobe, uh, if you want to feel confident and alive again, you're not alone because there's a lot of women and men who experience this as they move into their 50s and beyond. So Moana's book is a must read by a professional stylist and life coach and it's been designed to empower you to take charge of the next stage of your life and rediscover your sass and style. Uh, By now, uh, she's lived through many life challenges and rewards and has experienced many highs and lows. Um, You may have been divorced, remarried, lost, loved and loved again. And you may be wondering what's ahead as you approach your 50s. Um, So Moana's book helps you learn about sass and style in your 50s. And it includes confidence and practical life tips in the first half of the book and then styling know-how and practical information to sort your wardrobe and image in the other half of the book. So I'm going to put up this uh, information about Moana's book in the chat box and then I've got a couple of questions I'm going to answer in the meantime. 
So, Kelsey, not sure if you caught that. She is dealing with perfectionists. She corrected the host when giving the website information. Yep, (laughs) Kelsey, I know. But as uh, Anna would say, uh, we as reformed perfectionists continue to try and do things better. But, yes, you're right. That's an example of perfectionism. Um, The... The fact that the link for the eight weeks perfectionism is up, um, yeah, you're absolutely right, Kelsey, and thank you for your comment. Holly, has this author been on the show before? Um, in talking about Moana, no, Moana hasn't been on the show before, but she is coming on the show. Um, her book is just in that pre-release stage um, about to be released very soon so you've got in the chat box links to where you can pre-buy her book and she writes a wonderful from a wonderful wealth of information about being over 50 and sorting out your wardrobe and giving you more confidence and style so I've actually um, had one of Moana's sessions for myself because I wanted to see how my wardrobe was sitting as I'm into my 50s now. And she was an immense help in giving me, I'm really short and uh, short and stumpy, I guess you'd call me. Um, And it was really helpful to talk to Moana about what styles of clothing suited me best. And I just made a few subtle changes in the types of dresses and outfits I buy and the colours that I buy. Because Moana sits with you and goes through the colours that look best on you and that make you look better. So you might know yourself. Sometimes you wear a colour and you feel on top of the world. And other times you might put a shirt on that you just like, that's what you wear because that's what's in your wardrobe, but it doesn't make you feel as wonderful as, say, your favourite blue dress. So Moana helps with all those things. And again, we'll be having her on the show next week to talk more about styling and fashion uh, for over 50s. Um, Mari wants to know, can anyone ever get over the perfection obsession? Well, Mari, I know myself that I still confront those areas in my life on a daily basis. And I, I... I have to work on it every day and I know that I probably won't ever be over it because I'm a high end, a high achiever. I suffer from anxiety. I like things to run smoothly and straightforward and perfectly and I do struggle when things don't run perfectly and life is not perfect. Humans are an imperfect species. So I'm constantly talking to myself um, in my brain. So for me, self-talk is that key component. So I constantly uh, tell myself that I'm okay, it's okay, it doesn't have to be perfect because I believe that if I do that, it helps everyone else be okay, that it helps everyone else be okay with the person that they are. Um, For me, um, for the longest time of my life, you you know my story where I was born with um, aphasia 
facial defect, which resulted in left-sided facial palsy. So my smile is, um, was really quite crooked, I guess you could say, in my early childhood, and it looked like I'd had a stroke. And then in my 40s, some of the nerves that had uh, had started to regenerate and I actually started to smile with a bit of a dimple. But it wasn't till my 40s that I could look myself in the mirror and say, Tony, you are a beautiful woman, you're okay, your smile is imperfect, but that's what makes you you. So again, I think that lots of us have traits of perfectionism um, in our lives and it's good to try and overcome some of those things because it helps you be a better, more balanced person. So, Murray, I still struggle and I'm quite sure a lot of other people still struggle and it's a great question to ask in our perfectionism show this morning. Over to a word from our sponsors. I have two sponsors for Radio Tony, and one of them you, w- the show will be familiar with, and that's Kerry Hort Rowe from Brain Thinking, the brain behind brain thinking and HBDI testing. And just for those who are new listeners, HBDI testing is the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument. And the little test that I did was a 120-question survey that evaluates and describes the degree with which my brain thinks. And there are four thinking quadrants, so there's four bits to it. Um, And last week, we talked with Kerry about what my personal profile revealed about me, and it's given me a new perspective on how I think, how I communicate, how I collaborate with other uh, other people, how I solve uh, problems, and a lot more about how my brain thinks. So the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, HBDI Profile, is a little similar to DISC. And I'm not sure if you, my listeners, have heard of DISC before, but DISC is a popular employee assessment and a good tool for understanding different styles of behaviours and perspectives of ourselves. So when you combine that with the HBDI model, it gives you a really good good idea on your behavior traits and so with DISC it D stands for dominance I stands for influence S stands for stead- steadiness and C stands for conscientious conscientiousness <laughs> unlike HBDI it's a brain-based premise that considers how we process information so the HBDI is how we process information we get from the world and DISC is our behavior in terms of the world Um, and it's really fascinating to have a deeper idea of how you function in the world because it helps you uh, react better it helps you understand when you function best and when it's best for you to have conversations. Um, and those two assessments are quite different. And Kerry, the show sponsor, her preference is to use HBDI to help people uh, know about how they th- think. 
So Mel wants to know, how did knowing things change you? So Mel, I'm hoping that you're still talking about, um, I, I, I hope you're talking about the HBDI profile because one of the things that Kerry pointed out to me from my profile was that I don't do analytical or mathematical things really well. So knowing that means that I should try and do those things. So things like bookkeeping, I should do that later in the day because that's when my energy is highest. That's another thing that the um, profile showed me, that my energy is highest late afternoon and going into uh, the evening. So that's when I should do the things that my brain is not good at. Um, David wants to know, how can a person know and how will it help them? So again, I'm going to put um, Kerry's details up in the chat box because if you go onto her site, you can do a small proportion of the um, program and it gives you like an intro to doing the bigger profile that I did. And when we talk to Kerry next week, we're going to try and offer one of our listeners um, a profile that we can do that they can do and that we can talk about on future shows. Now, before I introduce my next guest, just a quick word from the show's other sponsor, and that's Tracy Tully from Unlock Your Voice, Your Motivation, Your Resilience and confidence and Tracy is an entrepreneur, coach, public speaker and author um, and she is a master of motivation, resilience and confidence. Um, She has a new book coming out and I know when we spoke to her last week that there was great excitement about the release of her book and her book is called Fearless and it talks about what she went through as a whistleblower on the education system in Queensland, Australia. Um, I will put her contact details up into the chat box for you. Um, Her book is in uh, pre-release at the moment. It's coming shortly. And when we talked to listeners last week, we mentioned that she'd been tied up in legal um, matters in the lead up to the book release because she'd been the whistleblower on the education system. And remember last week we talked about the impacts of what that whistleblower had been on her family and in particular we talked about the time when her son um, was uh, badly assaulted by adults and he was only 30 at the time. 13 at the time. So Tracy's details are up in the chat box. Um, Look out for her book called Fearless, which talks about um, bullying and retribution in the education system in uh, Queensland, Australia. And now we have the wonderful Christiane V coming up on the show. Um, Christiane is a beautiful person. And today we're going to be talking about health healing and her brush with domestic violence. Welcome to the show, Christiane. How are you this morning? I'm very well, Tony. Can you hear me? I can hear you most definitely. I'm hoping that the listeners can hear you too. Awesome. I'm so glad to be here and thank you for having me. 
Oh, it's my pleasure to have you. So I thought that this morning we would start out by telling our listeners a little bit about you. So let's start with you, Christiane. Awesome, Tony. What would you like to know? (laughs) Well, let's just generally. So you're a mum and you have a son. Um, You've been through some pretty horrible trauma. So let's start there. Ah, Okay. So, um, yes, like like many women and also men, I have to say, that have um, experienced domestic violence, um, I actually remained in a marriage situation for 20 years and yeah. uh, just being um, probably influenced by religion and that marriage lasts forever and yes. all this thinking and thinking I had to endure, I had to suffer to probably get something and somewhere, which is religion teaches we got to suffer and, and yes. I really took that on. So for me, I had to put up with it and I didn't think I had the choice of really finding an, another way of having a healthier life. I had to put up, I thought I had to put up with this kind of suffering and this kind of um way of life because maybe there was a gain in it which is at the time was I was very naive and probably people who remain in this situation are very naive they don't think further than what they they know and it has them remain in a situation where they're very disempowered and they become a victim of someone who actually has control over them and they don't see any way out at that very much. So you stayed in that marriage for 20 years. Correct. What was it that finally tipped you into getting out of it and seeking help? Why? Okay, so I put up with it and it what really had me to make the decision because when my um, then husband started hitting my son and I thought he could do it to me but then he wouldn't do it to my son. Yeah. And I knew I had to make a decision to protect him because it was my duty to do so. Christiane, how old was your son at that time? He was 16. Yeah, yeah. Pretty important stage for a young man, isn't it? Um, yes. And um, it was, it, even if he was 16 or 5 or any age, and I realised that I, he, he had no right to do this to my son and I I had to it had me to really see where I was at and what I was putting up with and had me to make a drastic decision to change my life yeah Sarah wants to know Christiane why did you stick it out so long was it mostly around those Christian beliefs that you had to stick with a marriage even when it's bad it's this and and more because yes. I feel I I think another thing that um, people in these situations um, deal with is that they they can't ask for help they isolate yes. themselves they feel yes. ashamed they feel nobody knows and if I tell them what would they think and yeah. you actually portray your life and your marriage you keep it together from what people is seeing. Yes. And then really put up with the horrible situation behind doors yeah. and live with it, even if it's intolerable. 
and, and uh, but kept smiling. I had a great career with the Department of Defense at the time, but I just kept all going to work and smiling and making believe that my life was perfect and it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a wonderful discussion with our first guest today about perfectionism. And so um, that's part of it, isn't it? That whole pretense and that Mm -hmm. vacade that the world sees that if you step behind that, you'll find someone who's really um, fractured, traumatised and not knowing where to go to ask for help. Correct. And also with the perfectionism, you keep your house clean, you dress very well, you look yes. good, but people have no idea because you're playing the role very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hannah wants to know, um, who can you ask for help? So where did you go for your help, Christiane? How did you seek help? Okay, for me, I did not have help. This is what had it prolonged as well because at the time I was in New South Wales, I went to the bank and asked for a loan. They said, we can't give you a loan. I went to the Salvation Army. Sorry about the Salvation Army. I talked to them and nobody was there qualified enough to listen to me. They said, no, go back to your husband. Uh, all the doors I seemed to knock on did not really. Um, I even went to refuges and they told me, oh, you've got a job. You, you, have, you can't stay here. So the last, I had to go back to my husband. Where would I go? The refuge centre didn't even want me there. So oh I my goodness! Stuff. Yes, it was very. I went to the police station because my husband locked me out of the house, and then he said, "You got to go to the chamber magistrate." He didn't accompany me home. It, oh. he, didn't, he didn't even tell me I can take you home so you can get in safely. He said, no, you have to go to the chamber magistrate to get your keys back because my keys were, was locked inside. And he said, oh you got to go, go to the chamber magistrate and just, you know, I don't know, a court order or whatever I had to do. So everything I tried to do to get out of the situation, I had door clo- doors closing in my face. And I and I just didn't want to go, go to family because they thought we had my my life. I didn't have a little family. I had friends and he had family on his side. So then I felt trapped, totally trapped. Oh, my goodness. Um, so you sort of um, essentially helped yourself because you, you had a job and essentially the world looked on and thought, well, she's okay. Um mm-hmm. Do you think that there's more help now for women or it's not that much better? Oh, it's definitely more help. And uh, I'm actually linked with Rotary and we were introduced to a company like um, a non-for-profit, which I so admire. And and once I have myself established, I think I would support them because they came and gave us a talk at Rotary and it's called Zephyr. Yeah. Uh, organization, I think it's called. Um, actually, what they do is when uh, women go through domestic violence situation, they actually take over and find a school for the, for the they place them somewhere safe and they find a school for the children and then they have everything organized for them to start school the next day practically. They give them the uniform, the class. Really? To find out 
class they're going to be in. They get all the books that they require uh, for the curriculum and all the stationery. They get them shoes and socks and back uh, backpack. They're ready for school practically the next day, which is like I thought when they get that talk, I cried because I thought where were they when I was in that situation and I didn't know where to go and I didn't know how to to have my son to start school so I could deal with what I was dealing with and you could yeah. just go and find new friends and and really deal get with getting on with his learning and finding new friends and continuing his life, you know, so that his life was not so interrupted. But and, I admire this organisation. And that was Rotary that helped you with that, Christian? Oh, no, no. I am a Rotarian but someone, Zephyr, uh, I think it's called Zephyr International or Zephyr. There's a okay. name that comes from. So yeah. they are the one. They came and gave us a talk at Rotary and they talked about this is the work that they do. They actually make sure when um, children are removed from domestic violence situation that their yeah. life, their schooling life, do not get interrupted and also they can find new friends and you know, um, mentally they can adjust much better and really um, have less trauma. Yeah, that's incredibly important. I've just put a few numbers and websites up in the chat box in regards to domestic violence help in uh, the US and Australia. Um, for those of you that are listening, if you need help, just jump on Google and type in domestic violence help and you'll have a lot of sites that come up. Keep finding one that works and helps you. So skip forward and you manage to get out of that situation. What happened next in your life, Christiana? Uh, what happened next uh, in my life, I was I had to leave my house behind and I had yes. to start all over again. And fortunately, I had some super because I worked for the Defence Department for quite some time. So yes. I had some super which actually helped me uh, purchase a new home and, um, you know, try to find my um, – get on my feet again. And I ended up uh, – when I left um, the Defence Department, it was like a – um, voluntary redundancy, and I yes. used that money. And I built my own home decorating business yes. at the time until I came to the Gold Coast in 2004, and then I've been doing different things on the Gold Coast. Yeah. So it was then that you started on your journey of health, healing, and life coaching about mm -hmm. that time, wasn't it, Christian? Mm -hmm. I dabbled in a lot of uh, industries. I did a yep. bit of real estate and all sorts of things. I even did some HK at some time to experience what are, what are human beings like by the time they're nearly leaving the planet. So yes. I, had to, I wanted to experience that. And then in the end, uh, in 2007, I actually encountered uh, Beyond Success who were training life coaches and my coaching, um, my coaching training was quite intense. We had to yes. attend four boot camps, and each yep. boot camps were five day long, and we had oh, to wow. work on ourselves. Yeah, it was uh -huh. amazing, and we had to we had to work on ourselves. So it was like one hour physical training first thing in the morning, and then it was showers and breakfast, and then at nine o'clock until about eleven, we just you know it was very intense work on ourselves. Yeah, yeah. 
And so in that process of becoming a life coach, did you, was that like the first point that you started really working on yourself and your health and wellness or had you kind of started before? Uh, no, no. So that was working on myself and probably yes. my past and my self-esteem and, yes. and my dream was to be a leader and to be able to um, find ways of people dealing with um, such trauma that they experienced yes. and how I finally got out of it and I had to restore myself physically and mentally and yeah. also because I was taking medication to keep my anxiety lower so I was yes. hooked on uh, medication like Valium and Librium and yeah. I had to get rid of all that and really restore my health. So um, in the end, um, for me, uh, going along the line, um, only about three years ago, I was uh, diagnosed with diabetes and that's how yes. I went focusing on health itself. Um, although I've maintained my health along the way. And I think what saved me when I was in the domestic violence situation, I tried to get out and do yoga. And I think yes. that sort of helped me healthy. So uh -huh. that helped me manage my situation while I was in that domestic violence situation. I, I yeah. studied, uh, I was doing um, studies in library. I was doing library studies. So actually yeah. I had an outlet of some sort to keep yes. educating myself and also meeting people socially, um, yes. So, although I did not speak about my personal life. Isn't it incredible that um, many, many men and women in domestic violence situations can keep such a public, wonderful profile where behind the scenes they're completely falling apart? Like, mm -hmm. it's fascinating, isn't it? So it's just, yeah. it, it's such a difficult uh, element of uh, life for those people who live through it. And it leaves a lasting trauma um, on yourself and your body, doesn't it, Christiane? Mm. So I think I, uh, fortunately, even in my book, I talk a bit about it. I was introduced to Zen Macrobiotic. Um, while I was working with the defense department before, while I was coping, I mean, before I had my child yes. and my situation got worse. Yeah. And I'm just going to read a little bit of something, if I may, from my book. Yes, please. To give you an understanding. So on page 62, I wrote, uh, the macrobiotics principle is based on oriental medicine dating back more than 5,000 years ago. So yeah. then macrobiotics is a guide to rediscover the ancient basic truths about optimum health and longevity. It teaches the human species how to find happiness through having a healthy life, a healthy lifestyle and achieving youthful, youthfulness through nutrition. Yes. Uh, macrobiotic is the basis of the bi biological application of oriental philosophy and medicine. It is about taking responsibility not only for your, yourself, but also for your environment, so everything and everyone coexist in harmonious way. It is about gratitude and appreciation for this amazing planet that provides us with everything we could wish for. It is about discovering authentic happiness. So yeah. for me, I was introduced to that kind of concept. So it gave me a glint of uh, 
there is something more than trauma, the trauma yes. that I was exposed and I was experiencing. So it had me uh, seeking for what is it that is missing or what is it that I could still discover to really um, re recalibrate or uh, rebalance my life in a way because yeah. I, I could see other people, some people being happier there and I was like, what is what is it that they're doing that is right and what is it that I'm not doing that's not working? Yeah. So it's just speaking Christian. did you realise that um, domestic violence leaves um, an imprint on your uh, brain and your brain pathways so that it uh, directly affects the way you think and it impacts your body in terms of um, it predisposes you to um, diseases like diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis. They're all... Uh, it's known that they can be triggered by trauma. Correct. Yeah, all these do because that's why people get autoimmune disease as well because their body takes the impact of all these traumas and sometimes they get stuck in their mind and not not knowing how to get out of it. And when the constant thinking about, you know, what you, you're suffering and how to get out of it and what's what's the way out and who's going to help me. Yeah. So all this, all the stress that comes with it does impact the body. And, and the anxiety related to is he going to hit me today or, or is she going to hit me today, that constant fight or flight, that stuff happens at a fundamental level in your brain. And if you keep your body in that uh that way for such a long time of course it's going to result in a physical manifestation like diabetes rheumatoid arthritis anything autoimmune including um fibromyalgia any of the autoimmune um it's the body's response to continued unabated stress isn't it yeah it's whatever you you actually experience in your mind it actually deposits itself in your cells and yes. also affects cells in the end. Yeah. And your yeah. body. Yeah. And I'm not sure that um, people readily recognize that trauma has that physical impact on your body. Is that your experience, Christiane? Do you find that people don't recognize that having been through trauma, your body bears the scars of that? Yeah, because they're resigned to it. They think that they don't have any choices. And this is what one of my biggest points is that when I was diagnosed with diabetes, for example, um, it isn't the, every time I went to the doctor, he would say, oh, no, it's genetic. You're going to have to have it because your mom had it and he knew my two sisters had it. I realized that some other of my siblings do have it now as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And then when he actually presented that to me, I go, no, I've always tried to be healthy. I don't yes. really want it. And I felt I had a choice. But most people do not think they have a choice. And yeah. they it's genetic. I don't have any choice. So they resign themselves to it and they think yeah. that they're going to have to take it on because 
that's what happens because what's that that's what they told and that's what yeah. they believe. And they resign themselves to it and then they tag it on and they live with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's talk about type two diabetes. What is it? Okay, type two diabetes is really a malfunction of the pancreas. Mm-hmm. And what happens is um, I've tried to, I've read a lot about it because when I healed myself, I had no idea what it was. But yes. more and more, because I'm getting into uh, like keto actually helps a lot, helps diabetes a lot. Yes, because yes. The basis, the basis of keto is actually, um, which people think fat is not good for your body, but it's good fat. And avocado is one of the primary food for it. Yes. So keto focuses on like 50% fat in your diet and then to 20% protein and the rest is salads and um, all sorts of things. So okay. uh, when, yeah, they reckon that actually um, I'm trying to find my note to explain about diabetes because the way the body actually, uh, I've read, uh, I'm just going to go through that and I'll see whether it makes sense yes. to you. Yes, yes. So, so insulin and its function in the body. So, and apparently when your body is low in salt, then it actually um, has, it's more acid, it's, it's more sugary, so it's more acid. And uh-huh. that actually will actually, that would um, invite diabetes to be part of how uh-huh. your body so they reckon higher salt intake would be better for um, balance the insulin in the body. Uh-huh. Um, so then you so that's why the macrobiotic principle is that your body uh, is either too acid or too alkaline. Alkaline yes. is actually um, it's like salty, and when yes. it's acid, it's sugary. So okay, okay. So that's um, so. Um, insulin actually stunts growth. It increases insulin. Uh, it you lose uh, insulin in, in in the body. Its function is to um, so also. So when you have um, increased insulin in the body, your uric acid level is actually increased as well. Yes. So people like issues with that. That's another thing to watch for. So eating protein and carbohydrate actually spikes insulin in the body. As soon as you eat carbohydrate and and protein, it spikes your insulin. So insulin converts carbohydrate into glycogen, yes, which is a form of sugar, which is accepted by the bloodstream. So, which and that's is, what the body needs for energy, by the way, and your brain right. needs it for to think. Yes, correct, and which it gets um, so it gets stored in your liver and your muscles. Yeah. So any excess of glycogen gets stored as fat in the body. Yes. So once it manufactures the glycogen and distributed to to your bloodstream, then the excess is actually stored as fat to be used as fuel afterwards. So or energy. So the function of insulin is to help the process of absorption of nutrients in your body. The nutrients that are not used immediately get stored as fat and, and they're used later, as I just said before. So when not eating, when not eating um so when you're not eating, your level of insulin goes down, which then in turn lowers your level of glucose in your bloodstream. And then the, ancri- the pancreas has, is prompted to secrete, secrete gl- uh, glycogen to be used as energy. Yeah. So, so eating off too often does not allow 
glycogen or fat to be used as fuel, then what we do when we keep eating, we're using the insulin which hasn't been processed. Yeah. So we and but when you use insulin, it actually burns really, really fast. So your body keeps getting hungry and it keeps asking for more insulin to be yes. to be so as as your body uses insulin, your body asks for more, so you get hungry. So it's just like um a vicious circle. Yes. Yeah. And it in the end it bypasses the process that the pancreas does. The pancreas actually turns the insulin into glycogen and fat. Uh-huh. Okay, so then when we use glycogen as um, fuel, it's used more efficiently. And Dr. Eric um, Berg actually he there's two types of fuel that we use in our body. It's glycogen and fat, um, yeah. glucose fat. So when we use um, glu- uh, glucose, then it's just like um, it actually compares it with. Um, I'm going to get confused now, so I'm, yeah. go, I'm just trying to comprehend all this myself to be able to communicate. But anyway, so ideally, um, so. One of the best things to deal with, uh, best ways to deal with um, diabetes is actually to eat less and to leave a window of five to six hours rest in between eating because Uh then this allows the process of the body focusing on creating your glycogen and your fuel. Right. Your glycogen and your fat as fuel. But when we eat fast, we don't allow that process to happen. And then we Uh pile on fat because we Uh disrupt that um, mechanism of the body. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, So that's a bit about diabetes. What were the symptoms that you first noticed? Uh, for me, I can't remember too much. I was feeling very unwell, um, yes. very unwell. But also, one indication was I had a coating, a white coating around my, on my tongue and around my mouth, and I thought uh-huh. that was a. So I went to the doctor, and he sent me for a test, and then they refused to give me the test because my blood sugar was extremely high. They said we oh. could not give you the sugary mixture for you to test because you probably get an, a hypo. Um, so <laughs> Into a coma. Yeah, that's right. So they said, we can't give you the test. So, um, so I went back to my doctor. So he started um, pre- prescribing medication and sending me to the podiatrist and the, uh, to the diabetes nutritionist to be able yeah. to start working on once I type medication, they will yes. have to monitor me. So I listened to the doctor and did everything I had to do. But in the meantime, I had decided that I was not going to take medication. And yes. then I said to myself, okay, I know that I've got diabetes and I know I don't want to take medication. So now how am I going to heal my pancreas? How yeah. am I going to do this? Yeah. So I had to find a way. And, were you um, su- were you supported by your doctor at the time, or did he not 
understand what you were trying to achieve? Oh, I did not tell him. Uh (laughs) I did not tell him. I had to take it on myself and I he was I kept having my checkup regularly and I kept having my blood test so I could monitor it myself. Yeah. uh, I think through months. And he kept prescribing the medication, but I still did not take it, but I still didn't tell him anything. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's very cheeky. But very cheeky indeed. <laughs> Just a word of warning to our listeners, don't try this at home. Unless you know what you're doing. So, but Or alternatively, I- find a doctor who is interested in helping you look at alternatives than taking medication. So in the first instance, um, Christiane needed to take medication um, to, I guess you okay. could say, rescue her body out of that diabetic state, which is quite dangerous and can kill you so it wasn't till after she was more settled on medication that she started to do things which helped her heal her diabetes is that correct assessment christian absolutely absolutely and it's not uh, i knew what i was doing and i knew i was taking a risk but i was still going to the doctors I was still doing my blood tests and I was still watching, you know, I was yes. still having the medication handy in case my version of how to heal myself didn't work. Because yes. I had to still rely, medicate on the medication because yes. if, if my method didn't work, then I would have had to go back to it because yeah. this is so important for all the listeners to be aware of. Yes. Um, Diabetes is a serious illness, isn't it, Christiane? It's it right. needs to be taken seriously. Yeah, and also any 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 time a doctor puts you on medication, if you're not too sure there is a, a positive alternative way to heal yourself, you just don't go there unless you yeah. are sure in your body and your your instinct that you can do it. I knew I could do it because of all the knowledge I had in um supplements that I've been taking for years and I fell back onto it but I was checking all the time that I was doing the right thing anyway and I was still having my blood test and I was still monitoring how I was going and I was still keeping in touch um, with my doctor just in case things went a different way because it was something new to me to explore and I had uh, no assurance that what I was doing was correct so I still had to rely on the medical um, knowledge and assistance to be able to get through it. Yeah, yeah. So do you know how prevalent diabetes is across our societies, Christiane, by any chance? It is, but it's not an autoimmune disease that people are experiencing and they are, most of the time they're not aware. They, they know they are unaware, but they don't know what is it exactly. They will go to the doctor and prescribe certain things, but um, they don't really know sometimes um, that they have an autoimmune disease. Um, yeah. So, as well as diabetes, but the best way is to focus on losing weight. Once you lose yes. weight, your body usually goes back to its natural state and it actually you can manage it better and you can maintain your health from then on and you'll find yeah. all these conditions that you have, arthritis, uh, fibromyalgia, 
and many others would disappear because your body then is allowed to function the right way and do what it's meant to do because the body is an is an incredible machine. <laughs> and it, it knows what to do all the time. We but we've yeah. got to assist it with yeah. what it does. So what are the ways that our listeners can prevent developing type 2 diabetes? So we've talked a little bit about the first one, that's losing weight. What else, Christiane, what else can they do to prevent developing diabetes? Okay. So another thing is just really watch what they eat. And um, so if they familiarize themselves with a keto diet, and I've got a list here which I've put together, and it's called low insulin and rapid fat burning diet and being aware of uh, how much carbohydrate they intake in their body every day how much protein, because these two would spike their insulin straight away. If yes. they focus on the good fat food, which is um, almond, avocado, coconut, coconut is a must instead of taking using vegetable oil. Coconut yeah. oil in everything is the best. Not, probably not in salad because it actually can, um, it actually hardens. But mostly I put coconut on my body but yeah. coconut, I, I drink coconut milk and I don't drink the normal milk I, I drink either rice milk or coconut milk I put it in my smoothie and the other items are flaxseed which is very good in the yes. smoothie uh, pumpkin seeds, hemp seeds olive oil, I only cook with olive oil and make, make my salads with it walnuts and brie is very good as a good fat as well and um, sardines um, so in the word carbohydrates, they, you have carbohydrates, the good ones, in brazel nuts, pecan nuts. In fact, nuts are very good. I'm typing you. as you speak in case you can hear me um, typing, Christiane, because I'm putting the notes in the, um, in the chat box. Um, I'm not yeah. sure I'm keeping up with you, but that's fine. That's no problem. Most I remember most good. of them. But the, the one that are higher in carbohydrates is probably cashews and peanuts, which could yeah. be avoided. Uh, but the other ones are, or and and uh, also almond is a bit high. But the walnuts, macadamia, pecan, and brazil nuts are amazing. You can have them anytime as a snack, and it won't. It will actually keep you lean, and it's got uh-huh. good fats. So, and I put flax seeds in my smoothie um, in the morning. Um, I put chia seeds. Chia seeds are a bit high in carbohydrates, but it's a very good food. It will keep you full. Yeah. Uh, but uh, also organic eggs is very good and wild fish, which is very rare now. Most of it is farmed. So wild fish is very good um, as a source of protein. Um, also what I'd like to advise is that um, have uh, I've ended up like having one meal a day now. Wow. And yes, that's all I have. And like this morning I woke up and – one thing that I take religiously, I would highly recommend, I have two fruits and two vegetables in my smoothie. And then uh-huh. I would add some chia seeds and I would, that will keep me full for about two or three hours. Okay. So it's just doing basic thing, things like that and just have a, a routine where three, if somebody three times a week had a smoothie with what I just mentioned, I would yep. have celery and green apple. Um, 
and the, the fruit would be green apple and a kiwi fruit and the vegetable would be a, a handful of spinach and some celery and then I do a smoothie with that sometimes I put some um, blueberries in it and put some either rice milk or coconut milk so I would tell that if I do it in a Nutribullet I'll have two big glasses one will have yep. chia seeds and the other one will have some protein yep. so that that is a, a practice of this three times a week will keep anybody healthy and their weight down okay very very simple, very, very simple. Um, what about exercise very, very important. And all the time I was losing weight to control my diabetes, I walked probably an hour at the most four times to five times a week. I think if somebody walked regularly three times a week, that would be, you know, keeping yourself healthy at any time. Okay. Again, just making notes of these. Um, and then I know you talk a little bit about planning, scheduling and time management. How do they fit into disease management? Um, planning, um, it's just really planning um, and time management. Planning really is, for example, for myself, I know sometimes I can't, I can't cook a meal and uh -huh. I get and I do want to eat well. So what I do when I come home with all the good produce, I have a big bunch of celery, I bring on a big bag of carrots, I yep. buy some, some sweets and some, um, uh, what are they called, sweets and the other one, uh, the white um, vegetable. I can't think of the um, name. Not potatoes. Um, turnips? Turnips. Yes. So I get turnips and and um, there's the other one. <laughs> but I just make a big pot of uh, I make a big pot of vegetable soup, and ah. I cut the, the celery with all the all the bits, you know, the leaves and everything. Yes. And I make a big pot of vegetable soup. I chop and chop all these veggies. I don't put potatoes. And then in. do you freeze? Yes. Once I cook for two hours and I just put them in little containers and I freeze them. And the days yep. I don't want to cook, I don't want to have time to cook and I want something See. really decent to eat, that will be for lunch or dinner or any time I'm hungry and I, I want something consistent to it, that's what I eat. Yeah. So that's yeah. planning. That's planning. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so and, that's um, about thinking in advance of what you need to do, what you're doing during the week and planning your meals and what you'll eat so that you eat healthily versus just grabbing something quick and easy. Correct. Yeah. And no yeah. no packaged meals, no frozen meals ever. <laughs> no, I only trust what I prepare. And when you prepare, yeah. you put your own energy in the food and you can benefit from it. Okay. Um, you also talk about goals and um, spirituality and mind-body health. So um, what do you mean by goals? Um, goals Having with... life goals or, mm. yeah, so that's important in managing your um, 
managing your disease process is to be always focused and moving forward. Is that what you mean, Christian? So goals in everything is very important because when we write goals, we physically make it real in this yes. in this world. But when we have things in our head, we want this, we wish this to happen, we would like to do this. And it's just like writing yourself uh, a schedule for the day or yeah. uh, an activity logbook uh, yes. because these are the things you want to attend to today because then you get to do them because you get so distracted yeah. that you are taken away, you know, everywhere else and then you fill your day with other things that probably was not so important to you then you ended up filling yourself your day with that and the most important things that had to be attended to get neglected and that can go on for days and months and then you you are dictated your life is being dictated you you're not putting in you're not getting what you really want for yourself so writing goals in a way is very important to achieve things that you want to achieve for yourself yes. and not what's thrown at you or what life throws at you. Yeah, yeah. And that's in the world of health as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about spirituality? How does that keep you healthy? Oh, spirituality. So this is a subject that um, it's very hard to explain. But it's broad, isn't it? It is, but also on my the retreat that I'm putting together is so important that we stop being, we stop uh, acting as a human being and being this and being this and doing this and doing yeah. that and human doing. Sorry, so we stop have acting as a human doing, which is doing and functioning in this world and yeah. becoming a human being and connecting with the essence of we, who we are yes, and yes. finding out that will help us find out what's not working in our body, what's not working for us, what is it that we want that we haven't, we've overlooked and we're not paying attention to. It's, it's really paying attention to the self and what, yeah. what, what we need for ourselves, and which most people are trapped into a world where things are happening and everything's done on the outside and sometimes it goes into chaos whereas when we come back within we actually find peace and calm and balance and we can actually function better that way and that's important for maintaining your own health and well-being isn't it christian absolutely because all the answers are within, and that's how yeah. I knew I had this knowing yeah. that I could heal myself. Because I was yeah. listening to myself, to my body, and and knowing that my body will adjust once I start working with it. Yeah, yeah. So now I'd really like to talk about your retreats and workshops. So mm. when's the next one, and what's it going to be about, and where is it? So the next retreat is in Main Beach on the Gold Coast and it's a three-night accommodation retreat with a two-day workshop. Yeah. And it will be focusing on vibration and frequencies. Uh-huh. So because this is how our body is made of vibration and frequencies, although it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. <laughs> because 
we don't see it that way. We see each other as a human being and trying to survive in this world. So focusing on raising our vibration has us um, being healthier because the body is healthy and can cope with everything that happens in the world. Like yeah. even um, we're talking about um, the – my mind is not clear. <laughs> That's okay. Everything that affects us in the world, even the frequencies of the phones and yeah. the pollution is what I meant. The pollution, yes. everything that this planet is being affected by, yes. if we raise our our frequencies and our vibration, we can actually and, cope with it on a daily basis. And when we talk about a body's vibration and frequency, where if our listeners want to think of it like when you're happy – you have a high vibration, so mm -hmm. your your um, your energy level, the feeling around you is higher. When you're uh, feeling low, depressed, or something sad has happened in your life, you've got a low vibration. So mm. you're uh, not um, you're not um, being your best self. Is that yeah, sort of a way to describe it? Correct. You're not functioning at your optimum. Yes. And, and you can change your vibration, can't you, Christian? Yes, yes. So so when you are doing sound healing, um, because um, one part of it, we're going to have sound bath meditation. Which oh. Is, yeah, which is used with, um, so what is used is crystal and Tibetan bolts and the resonance that to do with vibration it actually realign all the vibration in the body and it actually heals you if you because when your vibration is low that's when disease sets in because yes. everything is dark and low and your all your organs are not uh, resonating at the at a higher vibration to keep you yeah. healthy yeah so so the the medicine drum, the channeling, and the mantras really realigns the body and the meridians in your body. So this is so important to keep your body healthy and keep the disease away. So yeah. Um, yeah. so it will be focusing on these kind of things, and also we'll be having Beth um, working on consciousness, and and Beck will be doing uh, a a session on emotional freedom technique when we have addition ah. what's Beck's last name Chris Christiane what's uh, Beck's Thompson. last Thompson yep so she actually I had two sessions with her because yep. as you know I've had uh, issues with my with domestic violence and yes. what stems back I had two sessions which unblocked with my father and with my feeling on unworthiness because yes. she actually had my little sister as the favorite and I thought I'm not worthy and I'm not and it had me have a low self-esteem had me to yes. be in a situation that I wasn't loved by my husband and had yes. me trapped in a domestic violence situation so and it, this releases the emotional freedom technique releases from issues in the past that are still playing in your Today, life and keeping yeah. you in the same situation again and again and again. And yeah. when you discover that, you free yourself from that and you release some patterns that you're still playing, that's yeah. still playing in your life. So yeah. that's, that's very important as well. 
And you're doing all of those things in one week in one weekend workshop here on the yes. Gold Coast. Yes, yes, and there'll be qigong and uh, yoga. There's also belly dancers that are coming to entertain us on the last oh. day, Saturday night, and they're fabulous. They come from Tiagam in the country. Uh, yes. The girl does meditation. She comes from uh, Ocean Shores or Kingscliff down south. Yeah. yeah. And a lady so guided, is- guided meditation, yeah. Christiane. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a lady who's an artist. She's going to come and do intuitive art. Even if you're not an artist, you lose yourself in, in some art in a session. What is, sorry, what is intuitive art? I've not ever heard of it. Oh, okay. So uh, I've actually produced some amazing art myself. And wow. So it's just that if you know, even if you're not an artist, um, yes. you lose yourself and you just come up with some amazing um amazing art that expresses who you are and it means something to you and yeah. uh, you, you you actually experiment with colors you're not even thinking about it you just allow yourself to be there and do this and when you come up you go oh god did i do this and it really helps you discover something else about yourself so you just start with a blank piece of paper and some paints or something and then yes. you just create yes. She give you and, some paint and give you some guidelines, and then you just go and do it, and it's just totally amazing. Oh wow, that actually sounds fascinating to me. Mm. Um, wow, that's an action-packed weekend you're putting on for your retreat, Christiane. It sounds fabulous. Um, anything else besides the intuitive art and and the yoga and meditation and sound healing? Uh, I'll be presenting some segments on health as things yes. that I've shared with you as well. And also, if I have time, I will I do Indian head massage and I will teach people in the group to do Indian head massage on each other. <laughs> ah, and what's so, special about Indian head massage? Okay, Indian head massage actually relaxes you. Uh, it actually... Oh. Um, you, um, I use frankincense um, yes. oil on the face to massage the face, and um, use lavender on you know on the head, on the shoulders, yep. and we do shoulders, arms, neck, and head, and also face. So it's yep. really really relaxing. So yeah, uh, and that's being pampered as well. <laughs> well, yes, um, I'm a great believer in um, massage for its healing properties and relaxation properties. Um, I try and have that as a regular part of my own, managing my own health issues. Um, is that something you, that helps you too, Christian? Definitely. Anything we, whenever, we, whenever time we give attention to our body, it loves it and it actually yes. – recalibrates something that's not working and it actually yeah. soothes you, calms you down, have you to re refocus on yeah. on life because we sometimes see life as being dark and all these horrible things happening. But when you are in a state of calm and peace, you can actually give more light to the world and illuminate instead of 
focusing on darkness and bring that in. So yes. it, it, it is all help and, you know, it actually lightening yourself and lightening the world and everybody around mm. you. It's absolutely do you positive. Think, do you think that as a species, human beings, human beings in general are a little pessimistic at the moment? They are because this is what they, you know, the media sometimes, you know, watching TV and being exposed to a lot of horrible things out there brings yes. fear. When you focus on fear, then that's all you see and, and it actually starts affecting you. But when yes. you, you groom yourself to be peaceful, then you bring that to others who are probably suffering, yeah. who are dealing with things, who are seeing things in the wrong way. They actually transform. You're transforming yes. the world as you transform yourself. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that means, I know for myself, Christiane, I've actually stopped watching news on a regular basis and I never thought that I would say that because I'm innately curious and I like to know what's going on in and around the world. But since I've stopped regularly watching, say, the 6 o'clock news, I still have lots of information about what's going on in and around the world and what's happening, obviously via social media, but I'm no longer exposed to that predominantly negative news feed of the six o'clock news cycle. Um, is that something that um, that anyone said to you before? Yes, and I don't watch the news, I don't watch TV, I don't have a TV yeah. So I, I can go to YouTube to find out anything I want. And people yes. share everything on Facebook. Yes. So what is it that we don't need to know that yeah. Facebook doesn't talk about? Uh, so uh, this is the news and that's the factual news, not what's yes. on TV. Because yeah. what's on TV is, is um, programmed for us to see what, you know. what it's biased. It is bias, and we only see the horrible things, and we don't even know the other side. We can't see the good, good side, but that affects yes. our psyche. Yes. You know, we, then we get focused on what's bad, what's horrible, and yeah. and one we, our our brain gets toxic with that and yes. gets poisoned with it, and then it stays with us though. And then we see the world in a bad way, and it goes yes. on. It, it just like escalate, escalates itself into you know, worst situation and we, we actually look for evidence to say that the world is the bad. The world is a bad place. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, you know, we're doomed and we're not. The world is amazing. There's amazing people, you know. There's, I, I was just going to say human, there, there's a whole realm of human beings across the world who are now opening up and starting to talk about um things that they never talked about. There's an increased um, connection with spirituality and um, there's an increased understanding that there's um, better things to talk and think about. And Erin wants to know, has this filled with this has been filled with things to think about. Oh, <laughs> she's commenting on our show today saying that there's lots of things that she's been able to, this will prompt her to think about a lot of things. And, Christiane, that's, you and I alike are in the realm of 
helping and educating people and just making people aware that there's a bigger world outside and that the human body is an amazing physical and spiritual being and if you if we give you knowledge that helps you have a healthier uh, body and a healthier happier mind you will be a better human being and the world needs the best human beings possible at this time in our uh, century mm-hmm. um, yeah. And particularly, we're going into a new decade. 2020 heralds a new decade. And for me, I'm really excited about that. And I'm sure you are too, Christiane. Oh, my God, yay. That's going to be the decade to really embrace. I agree. I'm really excited. I'm extremely excited. I know. I See, I talk to women who, lots of women and men, and the excitement that's being heralded for 2020 and the next decade in terms of so many things, knowledge, spirituality, technology, um, and I see it as a positive, wonderful thing of humans moving forward um, and not being stuck by lots of things I see Mm. lots of healing I see lots of Mm. learning about the knowledge of healing and as with your work that ability to heal ourselves and heal our minds the knowledge that healing your mind will help you heal your body um I just I'm excited about um all of those things coming into the next decade it's just fascinating for me and it's yeah. wonderful to talk to you, Christiane, and hear you be so enthusiastic about exactly the same things because I'm hugely excited about the next decade. Yeah, and, and I think people will connect more. They will be more compassionate towards each other. And as in the in the business world, we, we're all collaborating with each other. We're supporting each other. We're creating a better world already. So can you imagine yeah. where that's going to get to? Wow. I'm just like, I'm gobsmacked. Yeah, I actually, from speaking to the number of people that I speak to every week, which is seems to be getting more and more, there seems to be that groundswell of knowledge and understanding about living with a higher purpose, functioning at a higher level and understanding at a higher level. Um, is that something you're experiencing too, Christiane? Yeah. My God, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I, every, almost daily, I am amazed at the level which people are starting to engage with things that even a couple of years ago would have been thought of as far out and airy fairy and etc but people are starting to embrace those things um and understand that they are real and that um human beings are amazing in their ability to create nurture heal love help all of those things um another thing for me too is that i increasingly seeing um collaboration and helpfulness between 
are human beings, which yeah. I haven't ever experienced at much of a level before, and it seems to be uh, increasing uh, coming into this next decade. Yeah, it is. It's going to be more so. And this is one of my biggest subjects, you know, where yeah. we're going and, um, you know, how this planet's going to be transformed and yes. how we are more aware and how the, I don't know whether they call, you call them the indigo children or the new yes. children yes. that are coming yes. on the planet, they're already wired in a way that they will teach us so much because yes. they haven't known wars and things like that. Their mind is not clogged up with all these kind of experiences. So their mind is just so fresh with all in new innovation. And, yes. and they're, you know, the innovation, just, Christiane, I'm excited about what innovation will happen in the next decade. Really excited. Yeah, me too. And I would encourage people to embrace the next decade, not from a place of fear, scarcity and lack of understanding, but from that positive space of, wow, look where humanity is going. Look what we can achieve. Look how much better we can live our lives. Um, and the sharing of all the good things, the wealth, the knowledge, the understanding, I kind of hope that that's what will come in the next decade where we won't see this such a huge divide between the incredibly rich and the distressingly poor. I hope that there comes to be more balance and more shared across humanity because that would be a great thing to leave our grandchildren, don't you think? Mm, it's coming. I know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I actually I, I actually get a feeling. When I talk about that stuff with like-minded people, I get that feeling that there's wonderful things coming for humanity and those people that embrace all those wonderful things will be taken along for the ride and those that remain negative and not embracing of change will be left behind and that will be a sad thing for them well is that we we are we live in a planet that um has choices yes so we have choices and we can choose yes. and um it's not for anybody to you know expect anybody to be a certain way so we can yes. choose what we want and we can have everything and anything so yes. if we choose what is right for us and what's right for everybody, it should work. I agree. I agree. Christiane, we are nearly out of time. I've just looked at the clock and gone, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we've been chatting. What a wonderful uh, show it's been today and what a pleasure it's been to have you on and talk about all the amazing things that you're doing. For our listeners, I've popped up Christiane's details and her social media contacts into the chat box. Um, you'll also find a link to her upcoming retreat um, on the weekend. Uh, it's the end of uh, November, Christiane, if I got yeah, those dates correct. Weekend, yeah, it's the 21st to the 24th. But if they yep. go to my web, my Facebook page, the Transform yes. Your Horizon. Yes, you that's know, the one I put up. Yeah, the that's, that's the, the one I've put up. Yeah. 
Um, and also, uh, yes, the, the her Facebook links, her LinkedIn links, the website. So if you want to get in touch with Christiane and ask her any questions that we haven't answered on the show, um, because it's been quite a lot that we've covered in the last section of the show, and you might think of something later, please jump on and give Christiane an email. Um, I know she would love to chat to you about anything and everything and answer your questions so christian we're out of time um thank you so much for coming on radio tony it's been an absolute pleasure and for my wonderful listeners thank you for listening to radio tony again this week and we will be back next week with another jam-packed show full of lots of information uh to inspire empower educate and help you over to you rebel thanks christian Bye. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony, with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mama.